Hey everybody, Chris Kresser here. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Health Radio. This week, I'm joined by Tracy O'Shea and she's going to take over the show and host it for this episode. <laughs> Sometimes it's fun to do this uh, where Tracy gets to interview me rather than me interviewing a guest because we're gonna talk about an issue that is near and dear to my heart, something I've focused on throughout my entire career. And as my career has progressed, I've only become more focused on it because I I really believe that it's probably the primary issue when it comes to nutrition and thinking about what is most important when we make choices around nutrition. But it's one that I don't think gets enough attention, and that is nutrient density. So Tracy, for those folks who don't yet know you, maybe our newer listeners, uh, can you say a little bit about your background um, and you know when we started to work together and what you're up to now, and then we can dive right in. Yeah, of course. And thank you always for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity um, to have these discussions that are extremely important. Um, yeah, I'm a nurse practitioner, a functional nurse practitioner, and uh, Chris and I had um, the fortune of starting to work together probably about six-ish six years ago um, when I was hired at the California Center for Functional Medicine. And um, before that, I was doing uh, pain, I was at a pain clinic um, where we were trying to integrate functional medicine and pain management, which was really very fascinating. But since then, I've been seeing patients at the California Center for Functional Medicine, where I still am today, um, treating a variety of chronic illnesses um, for patients on all age ranges, anywhere from hormones to autoimmune conditions to um, gastrointestinal issues, cardiovascular disease, you name it. I think I probably have seen it and I'm managing it. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, you and I had a great opportunity of kind of you mentoring me for a few years and really being by your side with, you know, almost every, every single patient, I think, um, for a good few years and, and then really just being able to kind of spread my wings and, and go from there. So, um, I think the value here is we get to talk about nutrient density and the importance of it in just a very general space, but also what we see clinically and how it is impacting the evolution of chronic disease as well. So that's kind of what I'm also hoping to bring, you know, to light in this discussion um, as we kind of move through the process. Great. So with that in mind, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about nutrient density. Tracy, uh, what are your questions for me? Because this is such a huge topic. There's yeah. so much to say, <laughs> but I know that, you know, you've you've prepared some questions to help get to the the root of it as quickly as possible. So I think we should start at the beginning. And when we say nutrient density, what, what do we mean? What do we mean by nutrient density and why is it such an important topic? So let's just kind of start with the very basics. Yeah, that's a great place to start. So nutrients in our food fall into two categories, macronutrients and micronutrients. And the macronutrients refer to uh, the three main substances that are required in, in large or macro amounts in a human diet, and those are protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And I've talked about those in many different contexts for many years as well, very important subject. But the focus of, of this podcast, specifically and of nutrient density in general, is on micronutrients, which are the vitamins, minerals, and other compounds that are required by the body in small or micro amounts for normal physiological function. And when we talk about nutrient density, what we're talking about is the concentration of those micronutrients 
as well as amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein in a given food. Carbohydrates and fat are, are important, of course, but those macronutrients can actually be partially synthesized by the body, at least for a limited amount of time, if, if dietary intake is insufficient. An exception to that is the omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids, which we can only get through food, but it is possible to survive without carbohydrates and fats, whereas it is not possible to survive without essential amino acids and micronutrients. So that's what the term nutrient density refers to. I should say that there is a, the way that nutrient density is thought of in the conventional world is slightly different than the way that we think about it, Tracy, in the functional and ancestral health communities. So in the conventional world, nutrient dense foods are defined as those that are high in nutrients, but low in calories and saturated fat. So in other words, if a food has a lot of nutrients, but it also has saturated fat or is higher in calories, it will be penalized in a conventional nutrient density scale. Whereas in the functional and ancestral health world, we recognize that certain foods that are very nutrient dense, like some animal products, meat, uh, vegetables, nuts and seeds, etc., can also be higher in calories. And that's not a reason not to eat them and not to consider them to be nutrient dense foods. So we can come back to that later when we start talking about some of the nutrient density scales, but I don't think that food should necessarily be penalized on the nutrient density scale if they have some amount of saturated fat or, or are you know, slightly higher in calories. Yeah, I think that is a really good point to make. Um, we know that there's a lot of misinformation. It's really confusing. There's a lot of nuance to deciding how and what foods to eat. And just the basic level of information can be a little misleading um, to a lot of people. So, you know, the other, I think, question that comes to mind for me is how big of a problem is nutrient density? Like, how common is it? Where are we seeing it? And in what populations specifically do we need to be concerned about? Well, it's shockingly common, unfortunately. The, the latest statistics suggest that the majority of Americans are deficient in not just one, but several micronutrients. And uh, I'll give you some data on specific nutrients from the Nurses Health study. 100% of Americans don't get enough potassium, 94% don't get enough vitamin D, 92% choline, 89% vitamin E, 67% vitamin K, 52% magnesium, 44% calcium, 43% vitamin A, and 39% vitamin C. So right it there- It might be easier to just say the Yeah, opposite, but most, right? Ameri yeah. most Americans are probably not getting enough of many uh, essential micronutrients. Yes. And as shocking as those numbers are, I think they're even still underestimates of the true prevalence of uh, micronutrient deficiency for a couple different reasons. Number one, these, these numbers that I just provided are based on the RDA or recommended dietary allowance. And the RDA was originally created uh, around World War II. And it was used as a way of defining the, the level of nutrient intake that a soldier would need to avoid acute 
diseases, you know, like rickets or scurvy, not, you know, they weren't looking at what is the amount that somebody needs for optimal health and longevity. They were just basically looking at what is it, what do we need to feed a soldier to survive, you know, so that they can survive during wartime. So I think we can all agree that that's probably not the best way of looking at, <laughs> uh, you know, optimal nutrient status. Uh, another issue is that the, the RDA as inadequate as it is, hasn't been updated in many cases to reflect changes that have happened in human health over the last several years. So uh, I'll give you an example of that. The RDA for uh, most nutrients is, is based on weight, uh, average body weight of a typical adult male and female. So um, for magnesium, the RDA was last published in 1997, which is you know, 25 years ago now. And at that time, the average body weight for an adult female was 133 pounds and it was 166 pounds for an adult male. And so the RDA for a male was 420 milligrams a day for magnesium and 320 milligrams a day for, for female. Uh, fast forward to 2021, uh, researchers just published a study arguing that the RDAs for magnesium need to be updated because the average body weight of the US population has increased dramatically over that time. In fact, today, the average body weight for an adult female is 169 pounds versus 133 pounds um, back in 1997. And it's 196 pounds for the average adult male versus 166 pounds back in 1997. And when the researchers redid the RDA for magnesium to reflect these increased body weights, they suggested that the revised RDA for women should be somewhere in the range of approximately 470 to 535 milligrams per day. Again, that's compared to 320, which is current. And for men, it could be as high as 575 to 660 milligrams per day compared to 420 milligrams per day now. Now, if you, if you take that new RDA, which has been appropriately revised for the current average body weight, we find that the average American is consuming between 200 to 300 milligrams per day less magnesium than they need. So we're not talking about a mild, you know, uh, missing the target by a few milligrams. We're talking about missing the target by up to 300 milligrams a day. That is a huge difference. And there's a very likely a similar scenario happening across all of these other nutrients. So if we were to update all of the RDAs for all of the nutrients across the board, I'm virtually certain that we would see even higher rates of deficiency than we already are seeing, which are above 50% for most of the micronutrients. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to say about the inefficiencies of, of the system, but that's not what this is about. So um, I will stay focused on um, <laughs> the questions at hand, but you know, I, why, why, I guess, I mean, let's say someone is doing their best and eating a healthy diet and getting their, you know, all the servings of fruits and vegetables, and they're feeling like they're pretty good. And then they come into the clinic and they do have some underlying issues and boom, you know, their labs pop up 
And there's just a litany, like a, a bunch of different deficiencies in these micronutrients that we're testing. And they're very surprised um, because they think that they've been doing what they've been told as far as eating a healthy diet. So where's the disconnect here? Why are we seeing these nutrient deficiencies, even in people that are putting their best foot forward? Yeah. Well, let's, uh, I want to answer that question, but I'm going to take a step back first and say that I do think that the, the number one cause of nutrient deficiency in the general population is the standard American diet. And, and, and just a caveat here, when I'm saying the U S population, American, you know, average Americans, you can pretty much extend that to the entire industrialized world. You know, the, the, the actual numbers are going to vary from country to country, but if you live in the UK or the Australia or Australia, the Australia or Australia, you know, Canada, any, any other industrialized country, we're looking at probably pretty similar statistics. I'm just, of course, I live in the U S I'm more, I, I have access to more U S based statistics. So I, I use those more frequently, but I think what we're talking about here, Tracy applies to everybody living in the industrialized world. So I think it's clear that the number one reason for this is that people are primarily eating food that is devoid of nutrients. Uh, that's the simplest way of putting it. it 60% of the calories the average American consumes now come from highly processed, ultra processed is the word that they use in studies now, ultra processed and refined foods. So we're talking about crackers, cookies, cakes, you know, basically products that are made with flour, sugar, and seed oils. And those foods have almost no nutrients at all. And so when 60% of the calories that you eat come from foods that have no nutrients, you're going to be nutrient deficient. <laughs> you know, there's really no way around that. And so that's the number one cause. But we know that many of the people listening to this show are not people who are um, consuming that kind of food, at least on a regular basis. And, and so I, I don't want people to get the idea like, hey, I don't eat a standard American diet, therefore, I'm fine when it comes to nutrient uh, status. Tracy, you and I have tested virtually every patient that has walked through the clinic door for the last, in my case, almost 15 years and the last six or seven years that we've been working together. And I'm hard pressed to remember even a single patient that was like all, all of their nutrients were at or above the level that we wanted them to be. Oh yeah, very rare. and surprising and exciting when it happens. And I would say most often when that does happen, there's some other explanation, to be honest, of why their right. nutrient levels are, are so good. Yeah. And that's, it's disappointing, right? Because yeah. our patients are following generally are people who are highly educated and highly motivated when it comes to nutrition and health. So they're doing the right things they are following a paleo or ancestral type of diet or you know, some kind of other, you know, nutrient dense whole foods based approach and, and they're paying attention to what they eat and they're, they're, they're trying to do the right things. But there are several reasons why um, even people who are, are, are paying attention to this and doing all of those right things are still struggling with nutrient status. So one of them is changes in the soil that have reduced the availability of nutrients in soil to the plants that grow in that soil. So 
you know, I'm not a soil scientist, but I've spoken to several. And so I'm going to give you my best understanding of, of why this is. It's not that the nutrients are no longer present in the soil. It's that there have been changes to the biome of the soil that make those nutrients more difficult for the plants to extract. So it's very similar in some ways to like when we talk about changes to our own gut microbiome and how that affects our own ability to absorb nutrients from food. Um, it's kind of the same thing. We've, we've messed up the biome of the soil with our industrialized agriculture, chemical pesticides, fertilizers, monocropping, all of the things that we have done to the soil over the last hundred years in particular have changed the biome of the soil in a way that makes nutrients less available to plants. And uh, I've read a number of different studies on this. And one of the most common examples that I've seen offered is that if we want to get the same nutrients from a single orange that our grandparents might have eaten in their time, um, you know, when they were young, we would have to eat eight oranges today. So again, we are not talking about small differences. We're talking about pretty massive differences. Uh, going back to magnesium, there are studies that have shown that declines of, of magnesium in, in soils in the U.S. in the range of, uh, let's see, it's about 25% decrease in vegetables, 17% uh, in fruit, 15% uh, in meat, and 26% in dairy products. In the UK, that decline was closer to 35%. And this is just in the past, uh, since around the 1940s. And, and those numbers that I just gave you were published more than 30 years ago. So it's almost certain that by now, especially because we've just intensified all of the industrial agriculture during that last 30 year period, the decline in nutrient levels is even more significant. So that's one major factor. Uh, and it's one that unfortunately it's very difficult for individual people to do much about, right? Um, because soil quality is something that is not an individual problem. It's a society wide problem. Another issue is a shift. And this is related of course, but a shift to a global rather than a local food system. So we know that nutrient levels in produce begin to decline as soon as a food is harvested and when produce is harvested and it doesn't have access to light, uh, photosynthesis is impaired and you start to see nutrient levels decline right away. So uh, if, if you eat a carrot that's been shipped 1900 miles before you consume it, which is the average distance that a carrot is shipped before someone eats it, that carrot will have far lower nutrient levels than a carrot that you buy at the farmer's market or that you even grow in, on your own land if you're you know, fortunate to be able to do that. Even when we're eating, you know, really healthy food, even if the soil is good, if that food has been transported for a long distance, stored in a dark truck and then stored in a dark warehouse before it ends up on the shell, you know, in the produce section of your local store, you're going to have uh, lower nutrient levels in, in that food. And then the same is, or a similar phenomenon is true with the shift to industrial animal production. So cows that are raised in the uh, factory farm kind of environment have lower levels of many nutrients than uh, pasture raised cows and wild caught fish can often have higher levels of nutrients than 
uh, farm raised fish. So you see a similar uh, situation in animal products as you do with produce. And then you have an increase in toxins in the environment like heavy metals and glyphosate. Those toxins can bind to nutrients and decrease their bioavailability. You've got greater numbers of people following restricted diets and doing intermittent fasting, which of course can be beneficial in many different ways. But Tracy, I think you and I have both seen this where, you know, if somebody reduces their food intake to a six hour window, almost always they're going to be consuming less food overall, fewer calories overall. And when you're eating fewer meals and fewer calories, you're just getting less nutrients. It's, it's kind of a, a dark side, I guess, if you will, of intermittent fasting that's not talked about very often. It's certainly something we've talked about with our patients and I've mentioned on previous podcasts and in articles, but it's, it's a, perhaps an unintended consequence of that approach and it can affect some people more than others. I think um, it can go for any restrictive diet, you know, mm -hmm. not just, you know, putting your time, pulling your time window in, but, you know, these therapeutic restrictive diets that started off with good intentions, um, low FODMAPs, um, low fermentation potential, ketogenic, like there are legitimate reasons why some of those are prescribed, but, you know, sometimes people are, are on them for way too long, or they, they lose contact with who told them to, or they read an article and they just haven't ever res resumed back to kind of more, more robust diet full of a variety. So I think that's also the other side of that is just narrowing your, what you can eat or what you think you should eat down so far that you really then are not getting any variety. It's true. It's a great point. And again, you know, uh, we say this with full understanding and compassion for why people do those diets. And we've put people on those diets because they serve a purpose. But we always encourage people to get back to as complete of a diet as possible within the ancestral template uh, because of this issue, uh, among others. But we know that there is potential for nutrient deficiencies if you follow something like low FODMAP or AIP for an extended period of time. Uh, and you know, what we're talking about now highlights that in a big way. Uh, a few other causes would be uh, over-the-counter and prescription medications that deplete key nutrients uh, or affect nutrient bioavailability. So metformin and, and B vitamins is, is, is a great example. Metformin, as I'm sure many people know, is a drug that's used to lower blood sugar and it can decrease levels of B12 and folate. And we've seen this over and over in patients that we've treated that, have, that take metformin, but there are many, many other examples of drugs that deplete key nutrients or, or make it harder to absorb those nutrients. And unfortunately, most uh, physicians or clinicians that prescribe those medications are not fully aware of the research on, the, uh, on how those drugs affect nutrient levels and don't adequately uh, you know, inform their patients about it. And then the patients are not told to supplement or do anything to compensate for that reduction in nutrient levels. At least that's been our experience. Um, when, when we identify this in a patient that's been taking a medication, they often tell us that they weren't advised at all uh, by the prescribing clinician that this could be an issue. And they were uh, quite surprised and disappointed to learn that. There's been a pretty dramatic increase in chronic disease over the past 50 years. Now six in 10 Americans have a chronic disease and four in 10 have multiple chronic diseases. And this is a double whammy effect where 
a chronic, having a chronic disease both increases the demand for nutrients because the stress of the disease itself depletes nutrients. So we need more of a nutrient than someone who doesn't have a chronic disease would ha would need. And then it also reduces the absorption of nutrients. So you get hit on both sides uh, when you have a chronic disease. And then the last factor, at least the last one I'm going to talk about because I've been going on for a long time, uh, is an epidemic of chronic stress. So we know that through several different studies that, that chronic stress increases nutrient demand and it also uh, depletes nutrients that, that we uh, have stored in the body. And so when you put all of these factors together, it's almost a wonder that we're doing as, as well as we are, given that, that almost everyone is subject to at least one, if not several, or even all of those, uh, you know, many people are subject to almost all of those factors. So it's, it's really, this is why Tracy, as you know, I've just been so passionate about this issue and I've spent so much time thinking about it and paying attention to it because it's pretty clear to me that if we agree to the premise that micronutrients are the fuel for the body, which is pretty clear based on just our, our understanding of physiology. And we look at the statistics indicating that even if we use the inadequate RDA, most people are deficient in not just one, but several micronutrients. And then we understand that if we updated the RDA to reflect our current status, you know, our current average body weight and just current status in terms of soil quality and, you know, all of the other factors I just mentioned, then I think we're dealing with a pretty severe epidemic of nutrient deficiencies and one that's completely under-recognized and not really a subject of conversation at all in the conventional uh, medical world and not even as much in the functional medicine world or ancestral health space as I think it should be. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, is it, is it being given enough attention? Um, that's, I think, a, a very legitimate question. I think we all kind of know that it's there, you know, but really, is it really, are we talking about it loud enough, which is why we're here. So, you know, we've list, we've talked about the RDA and some of the fallacies with that and, you know, some of the, the reasons why um, nutrient density exists, even with best intentions. So, you know, if we had to maybe narrow it down to the, some of the key nutrients that we think most people are deficient in or most likely to be deficient in, do you have like a handful that you think really come to mind um, when we're trying to address the ones that are most common? Yeah, well, again, according to the, the, the NHANES data, it was the highest on the list were potassium, vitamin D, choline, vitamin E, vitamin K, and magnesium. I think vitamin a if you consider retinol the preformed active form of vitamin a separately from you know beta carotene or the vitamin a precursors i think that would certainly be higher on the list uh i think zinc even though zinc doesn't turn up in this nhanes data uh, we very regularly see patients that are low in zinc and i think you know there are some reasons why zinc didn't turn up there in the NHANES data, but uh, almost certainly it's it's an issue for many people. That's one of the many nutrients that's affected significantly by the form and the bioavailability. So if someone is eating on paper adequate amounts of zinc, 
but most of the zinc is coming from plant foods. For example, that form is much less bioavailable than the zinc that is found in animal products. And so even if they're eating enough on paper, they're not actually absorbing that amount. And, and so their levels will be lower than what their dietary intake would suggest. Uh, I think the essential, even though they're, uh, they're not technically included in nutrient density analyses because they're fats, they are essential. So uh, an essential omega-3 fats like EPA and DHA uh, would be part of the equation. And I think also uh, vitamin B12 is another that didn't appear on the NHANES list, but is one that a lot of people struggle with uh, because of issues with bioavailability and absorption. And, and, you know, Tracy, we've seen so many people, even those who are on, who are eating animal foods, who are B12 deficient or at the very low levels of the adequate range who are struggling with B12 deficiency symptoms. And then I think folate is another one that I would put in that same category. Yeah, I think that probably is also what we see clinically as well. I think that makes a lot of sense. So well, there's one more, which oh, I yeah. should mention. It's a little more complex, but is calcium. So calcium, it's complex because calcium metabolism is highly dependent on the status of other nutrients like magnesium and vitamin D. And so you could take some, you know, five people with the exact same calcium intake and even the same serum calcium numbers and, and you know, other ways of measuring calcium. And they could all have different biological activity of calcium because of differing levels of vitamin D and magnesium and other cofactors. And this is an important point. It's not just true for calcium, it's true for almost all other nutrients. It's, nutrients don't exist in our bodies in isolation. They exist as part of a whole system. And most nutrients require other nutrients as cofactors, which is a technical way of saying, you know, they require those other nutrients to work properly. So, uh, a, a good example would be copper is required for the body's ability to, to utilize iron. And there are certain forms of iron deficiency that are essentially driven by copper deficiency. And you can try all day long to correct the iron deficiency by providing more iron, um, but you won't be able to do it unless you address that underlying copper deficiency. Same thing is true for vitamin D and magnesium. And the same thing is true for calcium deficiency. If you have calcium deficiency and you also have vitamin D and magnesium deficiency, if you give the, that patient a lot of calcium, you could not only not improve the situation, you could make it worse because you're, there are risks of supplementing with excess calcium. And if you're throwing a whole bunch of calcium into the system, but because, but you don't have the vitamin D and magnesium needed to regulate where that calcium or K or vitamin K2 needed to regulate where that calcium goes, it's going to end up in the soft tissues like the arteries and, or the kidneys rather than in the bones or teeth where you really want it. And I think that's one of the main reasons that we see such a problem with osteoporosis and osteopenia in people as they age is not just that they're not getting enough calcium. It's, it's probably even more that they're low in vitamin D and magnesium and other cofactors, and that causes a functional calcium deficiency. 
lots of nuance to all of this for sure. And we're not meaning to bum you out. <laughs> this is just, this is really, the, these are the facts. This is what exists. And so, I, you know, with anything that we are here to do is knowledge is power. And then to be able to know that information and know what to do with it. And how do we make adjustments to our life in order to accommodate for these evolving changes that are happening in our world? So short of, you know, buying your food locally, trying to go to the farmer's market, getting your food as fresh as possible, getting a variety. If you have a farm on your land, great. You can control your, your, your nutrient density in the biome of your soil, but short of being able to try to make all these micro changes to get the variety of nutrients in your diet, where are we standing with like, can we, can we just supplement our way out of this? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a real legitimate question because I think for some people, it is a lot easier to like, you know, take a pill to try to supplement. So I, you know, let's start having that conversation about what can we do about this and what supplements are safe, what nutrients are safe to take as, as supplementation. And let's kind of start to go down that road. Yeah. I don't think we can supplement ourselves out of this situation. And I have argued from the very start of my career, and I'm still make this argument today that a nutrient dense whole foods diet must be the foundation of any nutritional strategy. And that that's a reality that I, I hope I never live to see the end of, I mean, that's really human beings are just, you know, primarily adapted to get nutrients from food. There's still a lot we don't understand about the complexity of nutrient synergy and how nutrients interact. Food is delicious. You know, we, we like to eat it. I'm not one of these people that advocates for a kind of soylent green type of reality where we just suck, you know, liquid nutrient blends uh, <laughs> through a straw while we're sitting at our computer all day. Uh, no, I think we should be getting the majority of the nutrients we need from as, as much of the nutrition that we need from food as is possible, you know, given the the world that we live in. And, you know, you can basically just take the reverse of what we talked about before to try to optimize for that. So, you know, the first is to think about the nutrient density of every bite of food you put into your mouth. And, and we wanna try to optimize for that nutrient density with the food choices that we make. So for example, you know, eating, a sort of ancestral paleo type of diet that has organ meats and shellfish and meat and fish and uh, fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds. These are the foods that are going to be richest in the nutrients that we need. And so eating as many of those foods as possible, and then as, as few of the foods that are virtually devoid of nutrients, like flour and sugar and seed oil as possible is going to push us in the right direction. Now, you know, I'm not a zealot about this, as you know, Tracy, I, I, I believe in balance and the 80, 20 rule that I argued for in my first book, um, where there is a, a social component to eating and it's important to, to think about pleasure when it comes to food and, you know, having desserts or occasional piece of bread or gluten-free bread, if you have to, or whatever is not, I don't think going to make an enormous difference in health outcomes for most people. 
So I'm not suggesting that we, we become neurotic about this, but I, I, I am suggesting that overall the balance of the, you know, majority of the food that we should eat, we should be thinking about nutrient density and optimizing for that. And then, as you mentioned, you know, within that template, there are further things that we can do, like try to eat as many of those foods from a local source as possible. Because as I explained, the longer the food is shipped, the lower the nutrient uh, value will be. There are some ways that you can process food to make nutrients more available or and store food to reduce the decline in nutrient availability. Uh, I did a podcast with a, a woman named Joe Robinson who wrote a book called Eat Wild, which I highly recommend as a resource for this. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. And she talks about a number of different ways that you can increase nutrient availability. For example, uh, ways that you can store lettuce and other produce in the refrigerator to reduce the decline, ways that you can chop or mince garlic to make more allicin, which is one of the active compounds in garlic available. So, so there are lots of kind of tricks and tips that we can follow to increase the nutrient density. We can choose organic and pasture-raised uh, animal products, wild-caught fish, um, organic produce, which most a lot of local produce is anyways. Um, so those are all of the things that we need to be thinking about from a dietary perspective. Maintaining a healthy gut is one of the most important things we can do to protect our health and extend our lifespan. Sadly, our gut health is under constant assault in the modern world, thanks to a growing toxic burden, highly processed and refined foods, antibiotics and other medications, chronic stress, and more. That's why living a gut-healthy lifestyle is so critical. And one of the most powerful ways to do that is to consume bone broth on a regular basis. I've been a huge believer in bone broth for more than 20 years, way back before it was cool, celebrities talked about it, and you could find it in the grocery store. I have bone broth almost every day, either in soups, as a base for sauces and stews, or just heated in a cup. My favorite brand of bone broth is Kettle and Fire for a few reasons. Number one, they have the highest quality ingredients with grass-fed and finished beef bones and organic pasture-raised chicken bones. Number two, they simmer the broth for 24 hours, which makes it far more beneficial to our health, and just like the bone broth I used to make at home. Number three is the best tasting broth you can buy, and they have multiple flavor options, so I never get bored. If you'd like to try it, you can save 20% with the coupon code CRESSER. Just go to kettleandfire.com, that's kettle and fire, all one word, dot com, and use the code CRESSER at checkout. Save 20% off your entire order. If you've followed my work for any length of time, you know how much I care about the quality of the meat I eat. And that's why I've been a huge fan of ButcherBox since they started. ButcherBox delivers incredibly high quality meats like 100% grass-fed beef and free-range organic chicken right to your door at a cost of less than six bucks per meal. I love ButcherBox because it's so flexible. I can customize my box right on their website. And I love that they source their products in a way that supports the planet and the livelihoods of farmers. I look forward to receiving my box each month because they always include a range of cuts that keeps our meals varied and interesting. I love their New York strip and skirt steaks because they're delicious and so easy and quick. I just throw them on the grill for a few minutes. But I also love cuts like pork shoulder roast, which is amazing for carnitas and pulled pork, and brisket because they're so juicy and tender. 
ButcherBox is offering our listeners a special deal. Free bacon for the life of your membership, plus 10 bucks off. Go to butcherbox.com RHR and use the code RHR to receive one pack of free bacon in every box for the life of your membership, plus an additional 10 bucks off your first order. I've been talking about ButcherBox for a long time, and this is one of the best deals I've ever seen them offer. Sign up today at butcherbox.com RHR and use the code RHR to receive this deal. Now, in terms of supplementation, if you were to ask me 10 years ago whether I thought we needed to supplement to meet our basic nutritional needs, uh, I might have said yes in the case of things like magnesium, which I, you know, it's been clear for a long time that we're not, you know, it's very difficult to get enough of that given changes in soil quality, vitamin D, which again, you know, most people don't get enough of from food and um, they don't have adequate sun exposure in many cases to make up for the shortfall. But I, I think at that time still really hoped <laughs> that it was possible for most of us to meet all of our op- optimal nutrition needs through diet alone without supplementation. And that's something I've changed my mind about over the last several years. And the reason that I've changed my mind is, as you know, Tracy, we've just, is clinical experience, number one, just seeing so many patients who have suboptimal levels of multiple nutrients. And when we correct those deficiencies, the patient feels a lot better. The markers on their blood panels change, you know, their health status changes and everything starts working better. And then of course, my ongoing research in this area, which has been, you know, 15 years plus now, and you can't unlearn what you've learned. So having seen what I've seen as a clinician, having seen what I've seen as a researcher and connecting all of those dots together, understanding that, you know, the, the statistics as dramatic as they are, are likely far under reporting nutrient deficiencies and seeing the changes that we've observed in patients after correcting those nutrient deficiencies. At this point, I think that most people probably do benefit from supplementation as a way of closing the nutrient gaps that the modern world has introduced. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point. And I like, I like how you refer to it as this nutritional gap because it really truly is that. And, you know, no matter how hard you work, um, sometimes and most often that still exists. And even in clinic, when we restored and, and corrected chronic illness, like there were still those lingering things, like where we tried to get people off of a supplement and they just couldn't maintain, you know, those adequate levels. So, I mean, we've experimented with it. We did that quite often to try to see if someone could really maintain those levels on just their diet alone. So, you know, which, which nutrients, you know, I think at this point we can start talking about, you know, adapt naturals and this year, the new line of um, supplements um, that you have. And I want to talk a little bit about why you chose certain nutrients um, as part of this core plus bundle and why the specific form of some of these are important. I think it would just be helpful to kind of have some insight into why you chose specific ones and why you think they're important together. Sure. Yeah. So as many of you podcast listeners have heard by now, I'm launching my own supplement line called Adapt Naturals in um, July. And 
we're beginning with the daily stack of five products, which we're calling the core plus bundle. And the idea here is that we want to add back in what the modern world has crowded out. So you look at all of the factors that we talked about in the modern world that have decreased our consumption of nutrients and made uh, nutrient deficiency more likely. The question I sought out to answer with the development of this line is how can we compensate for that? How can we close that nutrient gap and, and add back in those nutrients that all of those aspects of the modern lifestyle have squeezed out and just give ourselves the confidence that we need to know that we're getting that, our, that all of our nutrient needs are being met. We're giving ourselves our bodies the the fuel that they need to perform all of the functions that our, our bodies and brains and minds need to perform every day for optimal health and performance and longevity. And I wanted to give people a way of just setting it and forgetting it. Um, it's hard. You know, earlier you said, Tracy, there's a lot of nuance and complexity here. And, you know, we've only scratched the surface of that nuance and complexity. We haven't yet started to talk about all of the different forms of nutrients and nutrient synergy and bioavailability, which are really key concepts that affect our nutrient status. And, you know, I've talked about those on other shows. And if we did that all in one show, it'd be three hour plus show. So we're, we're trying to spare you of that, but, but it is complicated and it's very easy for the average consumer, even the educated consumer to get overwhelmed because there's just so much information out there. A lot of it's contradictory or even misleading. And I've spent 15 years doing this research and, and treating hundreds of patients and then training hundreds of practitioners and health coaches and getting feedback from all of those interactions. And I feel like I have a pretty good grasp now of what's, what's really important and what truly works. And I wanted to have a way of, you know, basically curating all of that research and clinical experience into an, a, a plan that people can just follow and feel confident in following and not have to worry about, should I take this or what about that? And, you know, I'm, cause most people, as we know, Tracy, since we always ask people when they come to visit us for their first appointment in person prior to the COVID days, we'd ask them to bring in their supplements and they would come in literally with shopping bags full of supplements. And then we asked them to go through each supplement and tell us when they started taking it, who, you know, why they're taking it and whether they even notice any difference from it. And usually the answers to those questions are, I don't remember, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure <laughs> respectively. And, and so people are taking all these supplements. They have no idea why they're taking them or if they're beneficial or even appropriate for them given their circumstances. So when I set out to create the core plus bundle, I wanted, I, I was thinking, what are the nutrients that the majority of people are not getting enough of and, and need to thrive and are safe to take, you know, pretty much regardless of where they're starting from. And so that was kind of the, the premise for me and the starting place. And what I came up with was five different products. So the first product is a, an ancestral multi. And I call it that because it's not like most of the other multis on the market, which if you've been following my work for some time, you'll know that I'm very critical of most multivitamins because they tend to have too much of the wrong stuff, not enough of the right stuff, 
or the wrong forms of the nutrients that we need, often made with synthetic and cheap ingredients. Um, BioVail Multi is a multivitamin, multimineral, and a phytonutrient blend that draws on the principles of an ancestral diet to determine what the optimal amount of nutrients is, both from that ancestral perspective and a modern clinical research perspective. And then we use uh, food-based, naturally occurring, or bioidentical ingredients. And it's rich in not only the essential vitamins and minerals that we need, like vitamins, uh, the B vitamins, B12, folate, uh, vitamin A, vitamin D, etc., uh, iron, magnesium, it's rich in phytonutrients that we now know from a very large body of evidence play crucial roles in human health and are really important for our longevity. So these are carotenoids, flavonoids, beta-glucan, and a variety of compounds that are found in plant foods. So I've always argued that a, an ideal a dietary approach is some combination of animal foods because there are certain forms of nutrients that are richer and more bioavailable in animal foods and then some plant foods because there are certain types of nutrients namely phytonutrients that are almost exclusively found in plant foods and so i wanted the multi that i created to reflect that balance um, and not just be essential vitamins or minerals or not just be phytonutrients like a greens or reds powder so BioVail Multi is kind of like, you know, an ancestral multi plus a greens and red powder all in one product. So that's a really kind of the, the foundation of the Core Plus bundle. On top of that, I wanted to, to include an organ meat supplement. Now, this is probably going to surprise exactly zero of people that have been following my work for any length of time um, because I've been beating on the organ meat drum for you know 15 years plus and there's a reason for that and, and it just keeps the evidence just keeps stacking up I, I had Ty Beal on my podcast a few episodes back he just published uh, what I think is a landmark paper that quantified the nutrient density of the most common foods that we eat. And he, for the first time ever in the nutrient density research paper, they were able to include bioavailability as a factor. And that's huge because the bioavailability of a nutrient can dramatically affect how much we absorb and, and utilize. So uh, for example, you know, on spinach on paper is a really good source of calcium, but only 5% of the calcium is absorbed from spinach because of the presence of oxalic acid or oxalates in spinach, with block, which block calcium absorption. So you'd have to eat 16 cups of spinach in reality to get the same calcium that you would get from one single eight ounce glass of milk or from drinking a single eight ounce glass of milk. That's how dramatic the difference can be. And previous studies didn't con consider bioavailability. They just looked at the amount of a nutrient on paper in a given food. So in Ty Beal's study, four out of the top seven foods in terms of nutrient density were organ meats, liver, heart, kidney, and spleen. And they weren't just a little bit higher. They were a lot higher, even than other animal products. And certainly like uh, over a hundred and even a, in some cases, several hundred times higher than foods like whole grains 
for example, or refined grains. So uh, organ meats are really ounce for ounce among the most nutrient dense foods that we can eat. And yet very few people eat them. And I, you know, I've been very upfront about this from the start. I don't like the taste of organ meats. I wish I did. I really wish I did. And I've, you know, done so many different things to try to incorporate organ meats into my diet. And I, you know, with varying levels of success and consistency over time, and we share those ways with our patients. And yet, Tracy, I, I would venture a guess that maybe 10% of our patients consistently eat organ meats. What do you think? Yeah, I'm surprised. That, that's that's like, maybe oh. top, top 10%. Yeah, you know, 10 I'm surprised when they are talking about how they're like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, I'm getting it twice a week. I'm like, okay, good, good for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. I, I agree. I think it, <laughs> to kind of get a little creative, if you're going to try to actually eat it and cook it and consume it. Um, and yes, you can mix it in with other meats. And but I don't know about you, but I, I have other family members that won't even, they can, you know, they know it's there and they don't want anything to do with it. Um, that's so, right. Yeah. we got to find ways yeah. to hide it. They're, they're not part of our culture either. So that's another thing. You know, if you go out to a restaurant, you eat a significant amount of foods in a restaurant, you're not going to be eating organ meats in general. And that's a shame because as I just said, they are ounce for ounce, the most nutrient dense foods we can eat. And um, so I wanted to create a way for people that easily get the benefit of eating organ meats without having to eat them. Uh, because in a perfect world, we'd all eat them, but we don't live in a perfect world when it, when it comes to organ meats. And I would rather see people get the benefits of the nutrition that is available uh, from organ meats than not get them at all, which is what typically ends up happening in the real world when we recommend that people eat organ meats. So BioVail Organ is a blend of five freeze-dried organs. So not just liver, but liver, heart, kidney, and spleen, which are four of the seven top most nutrient dense foods on that scale. And then also pancreas, which has is rich in certain nutrients that are um, not present in other organs. And these are sourced from hundred percent grass fed, grass finished, free range, New Zealand cattle that are never given hor uh, hormones or antibiotics. And taking this supplement on a daily basis is the equivalent to eating about four ounces of, of organ meat a week, which is about what I have recommended over time. The third product is, again, no surprise, magnesium. So there is some magnesium in the multi, but it's not enough to compensate for the extreme lack that most people are dealing with you know, based on what we talked about earlier in the show, Tracy, most people are falling 200 to 300 milligrams a day short. I mean, that's an enormous amount. And if we were to put that much in the multi, it would have made the capsules way too big and, you know, caused problems with the formulation. So we pulled this out as a separate product and BioVel mag contains 300 milligrams of magnesium. But it's in a, the, here's the, one of the most important parts. A lot of the forms of magnesium that you might see in typical supplements are like oxide or citrate are not that well absorbed. And this is actually why magnesium, those forms of magnesium are used as laxatives is they draw water into the bowel because they're not absorbed very well. And a lot of that magnesium just gets excreted 
And if anyone's taken too much magnesium oxide or too much magnesium citrate, they know exactly what I'm talking about. It can cause a lot of bloating and digestive upset and cause loose stools as well. Um, so we use a chelated form of magnesium that's highly absorbable and is far less likely to cause those gastrointestinal uh, side effects. And of course, magnesium is, is critical for physiological function. It's required for almost over 300 different enzymatic reactions in the body. It promotes sleep and relaxation, helps maintain normal blood sugar, supports bone health, uh, works with vitamin D to regulate its functions and, and so much more. So those are really, that's the core part of the core plus bundle. But as I was thinking about that question of what do I, you know, what do I want, you know, for myself and my patients and everybody that I'm trying to help to have in their daily regimen that can really promote optimal health and longevity, not just close the nutrient gap and replace the nutrients that we're not getting enough of, but what can we add to that that will kind of supercharge our health and well-being in a way that's safe and and food, you know, food-based that, you know, mimics or replicates nutrients that we, we might have access to in a diet, but that many of us just don't eat or, or can't access for various reasons. So the next product is BioVail Myco. If you've been listening to my podcast recently and emails over the past few years, you'll know that I'm extremely interested in mushrooms, edible mushrooms and the health benefits of edible mushrooms. They've been used for over 7,000 years uh, in traditional cultures, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, uh, African and South American systems of medicine, Native Americans, all around the world, mushrooms have been revered for their health benefits and uh, their capacity to uh, influence nearly every system of the body. And BioVel Myco is a blend of eight of the most researched mushrooms, including reishi, chaga, lion's mane, and turkey tail. And these mushrooms have huge impacts on immune and cellular health, protecting our brain and nervous system as we age, boosting energy and mental clarity, and maintaining healthy blood sugar and cholesterol levels. Uh, I'm really excited about this product and, and its inclusion in the bundle. I think it's going to have a, a game-changing effect for a lot of people. And, you know, we're only now, there, there have been 400 studies published on turkey tail alone in the past couple of decades. Uh, I have a research alert set up for mushrooms so that anytime a new study is published, I notify and I get to read it. And I can tell you that it's one of the most exciting areas of research right now. And, and the best part is that they're essentially functional foods they're very safe. They're generally not contraindicated in most cases. And while it is possible to eat some of these mushrooms and, and it's possible to prepare all of them in a certain way so that you can consume them, that preparation can be pretty laborious. Some of them are really bitter and chewy and difficult to eat. And so you have to make uh, decoctions or tinctures or something like that. And then some of the other mushrooms, you know, they're acquired tastes and they're not a, a part of our typical diet. And so, you know, I don't know that many people who eat reishi mushrooms or uh, turkey tail or lion's mane or even have access to them in their local grocery stores. So I wanted to include this so that people could really 
have access to the incredible health benefits of mushrooms. And last but not least is uh, BioVail E+. So this one is very interesting, requires a little bit more explanation, uh, but it's also a, a topic I've been researching for the past uh, several years. Uh, vitamin E, when, when I say that, most people think of alpha tocopherol. That's the tocopherols are the most commonly known form of vitamin E. If you look, if you have a vitamin E supplement, chances are, if you look on this, on the label, it'll say alpha tocopherol. If you have a multi that has vitamin E, chances are it will be alpha tocopherol. And the problem with that is that studies have shown that long-term supplementation with tocopherols is not only not helpful, it may be harmful. Uh, there are several studies now that have shown that to excess alpha tocopherol is linked with increased in cancer and heart disease. And, you know, I, I, I talked about this recently in a podcast with Dr. Barry Tan. Uh, and so, you know, we'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want more info there. Um, there's, there's some nuance and complexity as well, as is often the case. And I, I encourage you to listen to that whole show if you're interested in this topic. But the key point here is that uh, recently, only about 20 years ago, another form of vitamin E uh, called tocotrienol was discovered and, and it was understood that it was distinct from the tocopherols. And the, the, these tocotrienols had different effects on the body than tocopherols. They were more potent as antioxidants, and they also had a variety of benefits that tocopherols don't have without the long-term risks of supplementing with tocopherols. So for example, tocotrienols have been shown to improve lipid profiles, promote cellular health, uh, support healthy blood sugar levels, and improve bone health among many other benefits. And they do that, like I said, without any of the, of the risks of tocopherol. So BioVail E plus contains 300 milligrams, uh, which is consistent with the dose used in most of the research done on tocotrienols. And they're in the Delta and Gamma form of tocotrienol, which is the, um, the most beneficial form. And it's sourced from the Anato plant which is the only known source of 100% delta and gamma tocotrienols. It doesn't also contain tocopherols. And that's important because tocopherols can sort of cancel out the benefits of tocotrienols if you take a product that has both tocopherols and tocotrienols. So when you put all that together, the core plus was the result of my 15 years of clinical experience and decades of, of peer-reviewed scientific literature. And it's what I hope is going to be an easy to follow and powerful plan for people to implement, to make sure they're getting all of the nutrients they need for optimal function, and then some additional powerhouse nutrients to take their health to the next level. And they all come together, right? So they're all right. meant to be layered in together to help really fill all the gaps in essentially, right? That's okay. right. Yeah. We're, we're selling them as a bundle together. And yeah, the point is kind of, like I said before, just set and forget 
Uh, they're designed to replace many of the supplements that many people are taking. We talked about before that mm -hmm. they, they don't know why they're taking them or they're uh, uncertain if they're getting any benefit. And well, I think I that's just... the main difference here is, is supplementing with intention. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. you know, supplements exist or everywhere we're bombarded with them, but you know, like you said, the whole point is for people to feel confident in the decision that they're making with their supplements and that someone has done the work, um, behind that recommendation. Um, and that, you know, it is, it's with intention. It's not just kind of blindly taking things, um, that you've read about in multiple different articles and have no idea really if you need it or why you need it. So, um, I think that's the main difference that I see here is, is really supplementing with intention versus just blindly going at it yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as we've done the research, so you don't have to is one way of thinking about it because it's hard, you know, and it, it's, I've been doing this for a long time and um, it's taken me a long time to, to get this clarity. And I, I hope it's of, of value to um, folks who listen to this show and are, are looking for more of a plan and more, you know, a, a clear strategy and approach to their supplementation so that they don't really have to continually be out there researching, thinking about it, and it can just follow a kind of process that we've used, Tracy, with hundreds of or, or thousands between us patients over, you know, a 15-year period that we know works, uh, both from our clinical experience and from the published peer-reviewed scientific literature. So, yeah, that's the Adapt Naturals Core Plus bundle. Uh, you can check it out, learn more, and order it at adaptnaturals.com. And before we finish, Tracy, I think we should talk a little bit about the Core Reset app, because yeah. this is something that I'm really excited about. I mentioned earlier in the show that you can't supplement yourself out of this problem that we face in the modern world of nutrient depletion and, and uh, frankly, declining health. Um, and I've always been a big advocate of diet, lifestyle, and behavior change as the foundation for uh, optimal health and longevity. And that's been reflected in everything that I've done from launching, you know, writing my, my two books and providing all the info we provide on our website and podcasts and then uh, training practitioners and also training health coaches. And so I wanted to, along with these supplements, I wanted to create a way to make it easy for people to uh, improve their diet, lifestyle, and behavior. So we built an app, it's called Core Reset, and it features a 28-day kickstart that can help you dial in your nutrition, your sleep, your movement, and your stress management. In that 28-day period, we have recipes, meal plans, shopping lists, we've got guided uh, meditations and stress management practices, guided movement routines, especially for people who are, you know, uh, maybe less experienced, uh, some great body weight movement routines that you can do easily from your, your home or hotel or wherever you happen to be. And uh, after that 28 day kickstart, you can continue to use all of those resources in the app indefinitely. You can come back to it and do kickstarts throughout the year, which many people like to do after the holidays or just when they need a tune up. And the best part is 
we are offering for a limited time access to this app for free to anyone who orders the core plus bundle because I'm serious about this. I've, I'm, you, you cannot supplement yourself out of a bad diet and lifestyle. And as powerful as the core plus bundle is, I don't want people to think, Hey, I'm just going to take these supplements and not worry about what I eat and my lifestyle. I don't do that. <laughs> and I would rather see you just dial in, you know, focus on your lifestyle and diet above all else and not take the supplements. If you had to make a choice, of course, I think doing both is the most powerful option. And that's why we're including access to this, you know, we built the app and then we're including access to it to anybody who orders the core plus bundle. So super excited about that as well, Tracy. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to feedback and, and seeing people's um, transformations. It just never, <laughs> never ceases to amaze me, like the feedback that we start to get as people are kind of incorporating these changes and the fact that we're kind of touching on all of those pieces. And um, I think it's a really nice touch. Um, so thank you for adding the, the app in. I think that that's really, really good. Um, to make kind of more well-rounded anyways. So, well, I think we covered all the questions that I had um, when it comes to nutrient density and nutrient deficiency and what to do about it and, you know, not to freak out <laughs> if there's an answer and that there is some, some guidance um, for people on how to address these issues. So thank you so much um, for letting me participate and take over the show for the day. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Tracy. Thank you for taking over the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on and really love the addition of your clinical experience and our work together, I think adds a lot of real world knowledge and experience for people to, uh, you know, just to help people figure out how all this stuff works, you know, in, in a clinical setting. So um, really grateful that you were able to join me and thanks everybody for listening. Uh, once again, if you want to learn more about the Adapt Naturals Core Plus Bundle, head over to adaptnaturals.com. That's A-D-A-P-T, naturals, all one word, dot com. And, you know, there's lots of information. You know, uh, you can check out the labels and learn more about it there, FAQs, et cetera. And then you can uh, go ahead and place your first order. Uh, one thing to consider if you do decide to order is, uh, nutrient deficiencies take time to develop and they take time to reverse. This is something we've seen in our practice over and over, uh, Tracy. It you know, it'd be awesome if you could, you know, if it took 10 years to develop a, a significant B12 deficiency and then you could correct that overnight, but that's not generally how it works with B12 or any other nutrient, especially the fat-soluble vitamins. And so... I really recommend giving these a good three months at least to determine, you know, the full, the, the impact that they can have. And that won't even be the full impact. You'll continue to get increased benefits over a longer period of time, because in the case of some nutrients, it can take up to two years to fully replenish them. And that's evident from uh, both published research and our clinical experience. Um, the good news is you don't have to wait two years or even three months to start getting benefits right away. And in fact, uh, you know, many people will see changes very, very quickly, but it's worth pointing out that, you know, deficiencies or suboptimal levels of nutrients that took years or even decades to develop need a little bit of time. 
to reverse. And I, I just say that in order to set expectations because, you know, the last thing we want to see is someone to take these products for a week and go, oh, I don't notice any difference. They're not going to help me. I'm going to stop. That's, that's not a, a safe assumption to make given what we know about nutrient deficiency. And uh, I feel like we've had to have this conversation a, a number of times with patients, right, Tracy? Yeah, I mean, I think we live we live in a society, good or not, for instant gratification. And we want it to happen. We want it to happen now. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a really important reminder is to be patient, give it some time and, you know, kind of be in touch a little bit with what it is that you're feeling, you know, what is changing, what is shifting. It's usually this very gradual shift in my experience versus like, whoa, like I have so much energy and I feel, you know, it's usually not overnight. It is this kind of gradual um, improvement, being able to sustain exercise longer, you know, starting to build muscle more, having more energy, having sleep that's better and more fulfilling. Like it, but it is just a very slow, gradual process. So I think that's a really important key fe feature to, to yeah. mention. I'm glad you did bring that up. Uh, one of the, I was talking to one of the, the guys in our company who's been taking these products and asking him about his experience. And he, he pretty much put it that same way. He's just, he said, one day I just like realized I felt better than I felt in, you know, recent in memory, you know, in my, in my adult life. And, and that was more apparent in retrospect, like just like you said, it, it wasn't just like a, everything shifted in like one moment. It was, uh, it happened over time, but then looking back, he's like, wait, I've, you know, haven't been sick in, a long time. I'm, my energy's been great. Mental clarity has been fantastic. I've like reached my personal, better, yeah, my yeah. personal best in my workouts. And, and so it's, it's something because we're talking about nutrients, you know, we're talking about nutrients that fuel our core metabolic processes. We're not talking about a drug like caffeine where you notice immediately, you know, a change, or we're not talking right. about some, something like because ibuprofen. That wears off. <laughs> like, you know, well, yeah, it, it comes does. on quickly and yeah. it wears off, but or ibuprofen, you know, where yeah. like you take it and you have a very distinct reduction in pain in a short period of time. That's not how micronutrients work. They, they work by changing systemic underlying processes and, and those changes take time to develop. So yeah, just definitely worth thinking about if you're planning to order the products, uh, we do have an auto ship option that just kind of, again, for the purpose of set and forget makes it easy for, to make sure that, um, you're getting what you need and, you know, highly recommend giving it a, a good, uh, three month, at least trial to see how, you know, how much they can help you and let us know, let us know how it goes. We definitely want to hear your feedback and, uh, thanks again for your listening to the show. Hope you learned a lot about nutrient density and the importance of it. And, you know, some, some practical strategies for optimizing nutrient intake in your diet and through supplements and yeah. Keep sending your questions in to chriscresser.com slash podcast question, and we'll see you next time. When I find a company that I love and I think you'll love, I do my best to support it and help it grow. Sometimes that means just getting the word out through my podcast, emails, and social media channels, and other times that means investing in the company or joining their advisory board. If you're hearing this message, it means that I'm either an investor or advisory board member of a company that is mentioned in this podcast episode. I only invest in or advise companies with a mission and products that I truly believe in. And I hope you benefit from learning more about them and how their products can improve your life. 
That's the end of this episode of Revolution Health Radio. If you appreciate the show and want to help me create a healthier and happier world, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. They really do make a difference. If you'd like to ask a question for me to answer on a future episode, you can do that at chriscresser.com slash podcast question. You can also leave a suggestion for someone you'd like me to interview there. If you're on social media, you can follow me at twitter.com slash chriscresser or facebook.com slash chriscresserlac. I post a lot of articles and research that I do throughout the week there that never makes it to the blog or podcast, so it's a great way to stay abreast of the latest developments. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.